said it was finished. It means that he had accomplished what the Lord had sent him here to do. He had kept the plan. He had carried it through unto completion. He had finished what the Father asked him to do, and it put it into the old covenant. It put it into the Abrahamic covenant. He fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant. It was the end of the earthly priesthood, and it was the beginning of a Holy Spirit priesthood here on earth. It was the beginning of a Holy Spirit anointing made available to you so that you can walk in the fullness of Christ because of the blood that was shed for you. Get a hold of it, saints. It was the beginning of a whole new creation. It was the beginning of a whole new species. And that's you, that's you, that's every person who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It was the beginning. Every promise, every promise, every promise in the Word belongs to you as the new creation in Christ. It is finished was your new beginning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is finished was your new beginning. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. You know, we've been on this series, it is finished, and I really don't know how long it's going to take. It could just take until he comes again. But I was inquiring of the Lord this week about, you know, where do we go from here, Lord? And he said, go back to the garden. Go back to the garden. And I'm like, well, why, Lord? Why do you want us to go back to the garden? He said, because when you see what my son did for you, you will take hold. You will take hold. You will take hold of the new creation that he provided for you to be. You will own it. When you see the sacrifice, when you understand the agony, when you see the misery, and yet you see his love poured out for you, regardless of your condition. You will take hold of who he has created you to be. An unstoppable, unmitigable, all-conquering over the darkness of the world. Because of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Thank you, Lord. Christ in you. Amen. Father, he said, I have given them the glory that you have given me. The Holy Spirit. The completion of Christ in you. So we're going to go back and we're going to study this with a new determination to get a hold of what he faced and what he did to fulfill the Father's plan of love for you. Amen. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Can't thank you enough. Can't thank you enough. 
Because you know what the Lord spoke to me this week is he said the garden, the garden of Gethsemane was the pivotal point. It's where a decision had to be made. It's not where the final substitution occurred, but it is where the substitution occurred. Not the actual exchange. And yes, he had to make the decision before he came to earth to leave his father. He had to be willing to come down to sacrifice so that we could have all that the father intended for us. But he went to that garden and he still had a choice. He still could have walked away. He could, still could have said, it's too much. They're not worth it. And God never would have had another child. But he didn't say no. He said, yes, Father. He said, yes, Father. I will do your will. I will do your will. And you will have many children. Just like me. Just like me. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful. I'm so very thankful. The garden is where Jesus came face to face with a decision whether or not he was going to complete the Father's will. Hallelujah for us that he said yes. Hallelujah for us. He was facing the fact of being made sin. Can you imagine how awful? You see, he never sinned. He didn't deserve to be made sin. He was facing the fact of being made sin for you, for me. He didn't have to do it. He didn't have to walk that road to the trial. He didn't have to walk that road to the crucifixion, but he wanted to for us, Thank you, Jesus. for every one of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And because of his blood and nothing else, his blood and nothing else, you can walk in the new creation. You can walk in the power of the resurrection. Because of his blood and nothing else. His blood has redeemed humanity for all of time. Hallelujah. He was God become man. Walking in the midst of a sin-fallen world. Every temptation imaginable. And yet he never sinned. He never sinned. He was facing the fact of having to die, having to become mortal. When Adam, in the garden, sinned, he became mortal. Sin ruined that, didn't it? It affected his body. Sin-fallen man had to be redeemed. And God always had a plan. He had a way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When Adam sinned, he took on the nature of his adversary. Satan. From life to death, 
And God sent us a reconciliator, a redeemer. Praise you, Father, that we don't have to forever live with a sin-fallen nature, that when we become born again, we receive the very nature of Christ. What a gift. What a loving Father, that we are redeemed from the sin nature. Praise you, Father. Praise you. He sent the divine, God sent the divine to earth to win us back. Hallelujah. That his original intent would be fulfilled. And we thank him for that. I'm going to give you just one little quick science example about the blood. You see, when, <clears throat> when a chicken lays an egg and you look at it under whatever you look at it under, you don't see any blood in it. You don't see any veins. You don't see any blood. It's only when that egg has been fertilized that the blood and the veins appear. Only then do they appear. And because of the immaculate conception, the Holy Spirit hovering over Mary, you see, Jesus never had the death nature in him. The blood of his father, not Joseph, but the blood of his father. And that's why the precious blood can redeem you, untainted by any sin. No darkness there, saints. Pure love, pure light, shed for you. And so, you know, we come to the garden, and I said, well, that was a pivotal point. That was a pivotal point. Because here's the deal, saints. Even though, think about you, when you come to a pivotal point in your life, and you rehearse what you're going to do, and you rehearse the goodness of God, and you say, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the word. And then when it comes to it, you still have a choice to make. Am I really going to walk it out? Am I really going to make what looks like an earthly sacrifice to follow my father? See what I'm saying? You can rehearse it all you want. Jesus could have rehearsed it all he wanted to. He knew exactly what he was going to do, and yet it still came to the garden, and he still had a choice, just like you do when you face a trial or a tribulation. And you say, am I going to walk it out? Am I going to walk the road that Jesus walked? No matter what the sacrifice, apparent sacrifice. Because when you walk the way Jesus walked, you will never truly be sacrificing anything. You will be getting rid of the filth of the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Leviticus 17, 11, it says here, for the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you 
to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. It is the blood of Jesus that has brought you into union with the Father. His blood and nothing else. That is the life. It's your life. It's your very life. Praise you, Lord. So anyway, Jesus came and he walked among us sinless, spotless, the spotless lamb. And he had to agree to walk among us. He had to agree to be tempted. He was tempted in all points as we were, and yet with no sin. And yet with no sin. Hallelujah. So you see, by his blood, God could legally redeem us. You understand that? You get that? And now in the garden, he chose. He could have turned back. He could have turned his back on the whole process. And he didn't. (laughs) He didn't. Because his love for us, his love for all of humankind, his love for all of humankind caused him to choose to walk the walk toward death on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, to give us life, to give us victory in him, to give us union with our Father. So we're going to go through this because it will help us understand how deep it is what he did for us. It'll give us a new appreciation why we can walk in the new creation and why we should walk in the new creation. John 10, 17. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. This command I receive from my Father. You see, no one took Jesus' life. No one took Jesus' life. He chose to give it. God chose to give before that. I really like the emphasized Rotherham version here. It says, Therefore, doth the Father love me because I lay down my life that again I may receive it. No one forced it from me. Do you see that? No one forced it, no one took it. But I lay it down of myself. Authority have I to lay it down, and authority have I again to receive it. This commandment Received I from my Father. Hallelujah. Beloved, he has given you 
authority. In the name of Jesus, because of the blood, you have authority over every darkness, every demon spirit, anything that doesn't match the word. That authority has been given to you because of what he chose to do. All authority and power was given to him. And those who believe on him receive it. Praise you, Father. He chose to use his authority to sacrifice. Think about that. He chose, all-powerful, he chose to use his authority to sacrifice for you. What do we think we can do for one another? Me, me, me. No. How often are you called to use what's within your power, to use the authority, and yet you have to sacrifice for somebody else? But it is not an eternal sacrifice. What you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. So no one could kill him. He agreed to the sacrifice of himself. He became and always was selfless for your sake. He agreed to become sin and receive the same terrible, awful curse that Adam brought into the world by what he did. He agreed to that. I can't imagine. It's beyond anything we can imagine. Jesus did not become mortal until he hung on that cross. He had to face spiritual and mortal death. He had to plummet into the depths of hell, separated from God, utterly dark. He had come from all light. He had come from all love. He had come totally unified, with the Father. And he chose to do what he did. Sin never touched him. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, Hebrews 4.15, yet he did not sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. For us, he became sin. Can you imagine? He didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve it. He chose it. He chose it. He knew that he would have to descend into the depths of hell. He knew more than you know how horrific, how awful, how disgusting, how terrible that was going to be. You might think you have a picture Thank you, Jesus, that we'll never have to know the complete picture of what that was. Because we 
who believe on Jesus Christ are saved unto eternal life and love. But he knew, and he chose. He knew the despair that awaited him there. Think about that. He knew the darkness. He knew the fear. He knew the cold. He knew the emptiness. He knew the forsakenness. Can you imagine total separation from his father? Wow. Wow. He knew he he would have to go where every person who rejects him had to go. And he chose it for you. Nothing was too much to keep you in his love. Nothing. So, don't you think that he wants you to walk in the new creation that he purchased for you? Don't you think he does? Yeah. He knew he'd have to suffer. He knew the agony he had to face. He knew about the physical death, the spiritual death, the nature of his adversary taking on What an awful thought. What an awful situation. What an awful reality. What an awful curse. And yet he said yes. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, he took three of his disciples. And he said, watch and pray. Watch and pray with me. And they failed. They utterly failed and he still walked the walk. His closest friends couldn't suffer with him for a bit of time. Three times he besought the Father, and paraphrasing, he said, if there could be another way, Father, take this cup from me, Father, but if there be no other way, I'm going to do your will. You see, remember we studied a few weeks ago that said he came to please the Father. He said that about himself, that the Father loved him because he came to please the Father and do the Father's will. And he was not going to be deterred. Wow. Do you face anything too hard? to do your Father's will? Do I face anything too hard to do my Father's will? So in Matthew 26, 36, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. When he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Sit there for a minute, saints. Have you ever been in a place where you thought 
that you are in so much sorrow that it would be unto the point of death. The sorrow that wrenches at a person's soul. The sorrow that seems unbearable. The sorrow that seems as dark as night. The sorrow that seems that it'll never let go of the grip that it has on your heart. Have you been there? Nothing compared to what Jesus faced. He's compassionate about our sorrows, yes. But we need to think about the fact that it's nothing compared to what he was facing. And he always gives us a way out. He's always our comforter. He's always our help in time of trouble. And he can be that because of what he did. He's everything to us, saints. Everything. Everything. To the point of death, stay here and keep watch with me. And they didn't. They didn't. Going a little farther, farther, he fell with his face on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Can you feel that anguish? Can you feel it? Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. And yet, if you won't, I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk on because I love them. Because I love them. You know, another translation right there says, if it be possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but thine be carried unto completion. I am going to carry it unto completion. Please help me, Father. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Awake, O sleeper, awake. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. These were his dearest friends. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. May your will be done. May your will be done be 
done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. Oh my, such a sacrifice. Their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Father, I'm in agony. I'm in agony. Please, can there be some other way? No, child. Okay, Father. Okay. I get it. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And he walked the yes walk. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. I will do what you have sent me to do. You see, there was a tragedy in the garden and there was a victory in the garden. There was a tragedy in the garden, the tragedy of what he had to face. What was going to happen to him? Aren't you glad we don't get treated the same way as what was going to happen to him? We sin. We sin. He never did. And he faced our punishment. He took it. He took the punishment that each of us deserved. And he ended up calling us worthy. He ends up calling us worthy in Christ. He ends up calling us the righteousness of God in Christ. How can it be? He faced the agony of knowing what he would have to suffer, taking on the very sin nature of the adversary, the horror, the horror, the horror of it. His body would become mortal. His body would be deformed. His body would be indistinguishable as a human because of sin and sickness that would be laid upon him for our redemption. He would suffer the tragedy and the agonies of every lost person in the human race. Think, a bit, think about it. Think on that. He would be reckoned as a transgressor, though he had never sinned. He would be reckoned as a transgressor. 
He took on every sin and sickness of the mortal race. He would be forsaken by God, separated into utter darkness. Hell. He would face death alone. Think about that. He would face death alone, rejected by his friends, rejected by the very people he came to save. Rejected by the very people he came to save. Should we find it hard to give up an offense? I think not. I think not. He knew he would be rejected, humiliated, spat upon, scourged, beaten, crucified for us. And he said yes. Even when his betrayer came, what term did he use to define him? He used the word friend. He called Judas friend. Can you call your betrayer friend? Matthew 26, 50, Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. And he was betrayed with a kiss. That was the tragedy of the garden. But praise God, praise God, it didn't end there. Praise God. Praise God that there was victory in the garden. Because at that pivotal point, he said, yes, Father, I'll do it for them because you've asked. I'll do it for them because you have asked. In the garden, he still had that choice to walk away from you and me. From you and me. He could have walked away. He could have said, I put it behind me. Father, I'm just going to come back and be with you. I want what I had before. I'm just going to come there. We're just going to be together. We're going to fellowship. I'm going to be in light and love, united with you. He could have done that. He didn't have to suffer that interim if he had made a different choice. Hallelujah. He didn't say we weren't worth it. (laughs) You see, he was not a weak, submissive, subservient, defeated subject of an enemy. He was the king of glory when he walked forth from that garden. The king, the victor, the conqueror. Hallelujah. He came forth in power because of the choice he made. He came back in strength. He came out victorious. He came back from the garden 
knowing that he would gift you a new creation wife. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I couldn't have done it on my own. It could only be done through the blood. He knew what he was going to have to face. He knew the trial that he was going to have to face. He knew the crucifixion. He knew about it all, and he chose to walk that walk unto the death of the crucifixion to earn us eternal life. Victory in Jesus. Victory because of the blood. He took it for you, saints. He's delivered it to us, saints. It belongs to us. He's purchased it for you and me. He defeated the temptation of self. Can we do the same? He defeated the temptation of self-preservation. Can we do the same? He came forth the master of his fate. He came forth the master over darkness because he chose. He came forth pleasing the Father. Pleasing the Father. Lord, saints, we live to please the Father. We live to please the Father. We don't live to please ourselves. We live to please the Father. Hallelujah. What an example. What a sacrifice. And as a result of that choice, the choice he made for you, the choice he made for you, we have given, been given new creation life. We have been get not only the opportunity to live with our Father eternally, eternal life in heaven, but we've been given the opportunity here to walk in his power and his authority, every promise of the word, the new creation life. And when we see what he has done, doesn't it make you more convicted to walk it out, to accept it first, to own it, to believe it, and to walk it. A gift beyond any gift. Hallelujah. When we understand what he did, it empowers us to walk here on this earth the way he walked. Hallelujah. So that's what I believe the Lord wanted us to soak in today. feel like we should all just soak. <laughs> just soak in what he's done because he loves us so much, more than we'll ever know, more than we'll ever know, more than we'll ever understand. So we're going to take communion. And we are just going to praise him for what he has done.
Lord, today we just take this communion. We take this bread, the body that you allowed to be beaten for us. We take this body, we take your body, and we give thanks. Every strike, all the torment, you did it for us. We praise you and we receive what you have done for us in our bodies in our spirits, in our minds. We believe on your word. And we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice you made so that we could. In Jesus' name. He poured out his blood. He took it to the mercy seat that we could be forgiven. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the blood that cleanses us white as snow. We receive your gift in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Now, beloved, we're going to accept our tithes and our offerings. I'm going to pray first. Actually, I'm going to give us a scripture. 